0: If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum okay. professionals, Clelia, academics, and you? researchers, I, I as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Of, Whether you've of, been working you know, with new families for decades years, or are brand new like to postpartum
1: care, care. care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia, Julia Jones. Jones. You've
0: done a pretty amazing job. So, are you happy to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story?
1: Sure. Um, Clelia, I am a mother of three. I've got a 12-year-old, 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. We currently live in Brisbane and are lucky enough to live in, I guess, what people like to call a commune kind of situation. I'm really lucky I live uh, next door to two of my sisters and also to my mum and dad. Um, I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. But we actually only been back in Brisbane for three years. Prior to that, we've been living overseas for the last 12 years. So I had all my babies overseas um, and without the support of family. And in those situations, I think we also worked pretty hard to find our people and to find the support networks that we needed. And sometimes that was through friendship groups which kind of become your family when you're in an expat situation but in some instances it was also through um paid paid employment so we had a nanny um when I had my last two children yeah
0: yeah I love it so you've obviously explored lots of different like village building methods
1: we have and I I think that's probably because um I come from a pretty big family and we I would like to say we're intergenerational so I've got much older siblings um, and when they were having children, I was a teenager and now when I had children, their kids were teenagers and now their kids are having kids and my kids are getting to grow up with them. So it's, I think I have always valued that aspect of having, um, I don't know, different generations and I think it's really important for kids to be raised amongst a larger network of people.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the the example I always talk about is in hunter-gatherer cultures that um, 18 different adults care for each child. It's a lot of adults and we don't have that anymore. Usually now we kind of have a lot of these ideas, these kind of preconceived notions that the mother is the only person, the biological mother is the only person able to do that job really well and that no one else is going to do a really good job of looking after Children, You know, but I I feel and I think most the way that it's been for most of human history is that actually there's been a lot of adults involved in each child's upbringing and that those different perspectives, different generations are actually really, really valuable to their long term development and also to the sanity and mental health of the mother
1: as well. Absolutely. Um, I am finding at the moment parenting my 12 year old who is kind of coming into those preteen years. It's really challenging. And when I have lost my temper with him or I've lost my cool or he doesn't agree with what it is that I'm saying to him, I know he will disappear next door to blow off steam and whether it's to his aunt or to an older sort of cousin who I know that they've all genuinely got my back as well so that they'll be there as a sounding board for him but also in a way that is still holding the line and being loving and compassionate towards him, but actually saying, you know what, mate? maybe what you're saying right now is actually not appropriate. So I find in that respect, it gives me a better opportunity to, um, I think, guide my children, but also to do it in a way that if they walk away from the conversation, I'm not fearful that they're walking away from it altogether.
0: Mm -hmm. to nothing and no one yeah
1: to nothing and no one and to sit in a room where they feel desperate or you know i think i think there are lots of different different ways that can play out and um i just feel lucky enough that we've got they've got the space here so i don't feel nervous when they disappear for a couple of hours because they're usually somewhere on the two and a half acres and i can ring a bell and they'll come back at some stage Um, And I think that's a really important part of childhood as well, for them having that safe space. Um, You know, we're, we're lucky in addition to having family living here, we've also got sort of up the road three or four different families and we all interconnect and we've just built gates between the properties and the kids just disappear. And it's like the childhood that many of us experienced, but that parents are terrified to give their children these days because of the way society is and I love that they've got that freedom to go and build TPs and make huts and <laughs> you know, yeah. play with the ducklings and all of that sort of thing so I think it's really yeah I think it's really important
0: So all these years later, you're obviously reaping the rewards of all of that village building effort that you've put in, you know, Mm. a long time ago. But are you happy to take us back to the beginning? Like where were you when you had your first baby and what experience led you to realize this is so important?
1: Yeah, my first baby, I had my first baby in Hawaii and um, we were living there and I had found it really difficult to find my community in Hawaii Um, when we moved there I obviously had no children, and I found it very difficult to make friends. Most of the people who were there who were not working were um, uh, retirees or uh, there was also a big military presence there, so i most of my friends actually ended up being in the military, and so we kind of they're very good at doing networks and doing community support so I was really lucky when I had my first child my mum actually came and stayed with us for two months um and that was extraordinary because it gave me the space she took care of all of the uh you know the cooking and the cleaning and it gave me the space just to focus on being a mother and I'm eternally grateful for her for doing that and she did that actually with all three of my children but it made the most difference to me with that first one I think
0: and and where does she get that idea from because a lot of traditional cultures do this but not nowadays so how come she's still in touch with that that knowledge and that idea? oh
1: she's a pretty wise woman my mum's actually an only child and so she went on to have six children of her own but she was an only child and her mother was also an extraordinary woman and I think it's been modeled for us um you know she it's family is the most important thing to her and supporting um all of us you know when i say we're six we're five girls and one boy and she has taught all of us how to be mothers and how to be strong women and leaders and she does it by leading the way herself and she's devoted her life to caring for all of us and caring for our children and creating that sense of family. She really values, um, you know, what, what family adds to a life and how rich your life can be when you, you, know,
0: when I you love have that. that. Yeah, because you're talking on the one hand about strength but on the other hand, you're talking about resting in bed for two months after having a baby, which
1: for a lot of people... Yeah, but that's what strength like, is, you exactly. know. yes. <clears throat> she just, you know, she said to me, "Dolly, how are you? She, I think she also realised because when she had her second, first and second babies, um, her partner was not supportive in her breastfeeding and she really struggled and had a very stressful time and her milk dried up. And I, I think a lot of people would refer to her as kind of a Mother Earth kind of person. And um, she just said to me, it's really important that you sleep. It's really important that you rest. It's really, you know, this is your job at the moment, is nourishing your baby. And if you're going to be able to do that, then somebody needs to be here to nourish and support you. So, yeah, it was, it's a really exceptional thing to have done and I actually think in a lot of ways it was to my advantage that we were living overseas because if we'd been in Australia she wouldn't have come and moved in for two months she would have been there to support me but she wouldn't have been there the way she was and my younger sister was having kids around the same time and she didn't she didn't do the same thing for her so in a lot of respects it was actually a really fortuitous time for us to be away
0: Yes, I love it. I love that perspective. And tell me, what what led you to, to decide to come home and how did you make that happen?
1: Um, we came home. So we after Hawaii, we then went, went and lived in Aruba and I had two more babies when we lived in Aruba. And whilst we were there, I had a full-time nanny, which was just extraordinary. It really gave me um, so much space to be a mother without having to worry about a lot of the tedious things and I felt like it gave me a level of patience with my mothering that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so we were there for four years and then we were in London for four years and London was a bit trickier. Um, but then we've come back to Brisbane. My husband was offered a job back here and so we moved back here three years ago. And, um, yeah, and all the time that we were away I had said, oh, there's no way I would live next door to all of my family. And <laughs> as we were making the decision to come back my husband just said to me you know we've lived away for all of these years and he said I can see exactly what's going to happen if we don't live near your family you will spend half your life in the car driving backwards and forwards to be near them and the kids it's really important for the kids to have that time with their grandparents um My dad, since we've been home, has been diagnosed with vascular dementia. So it's actually also meant that he's been able to stay at home because we can all support mum. You know, it's this intergenerational capacity to live and support each other. None of us should be doing it by ourselves.
0: Hey there, I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this episode, then you'll really enjoy Newborn Mothers Collective too. The collective is online postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. Wherever you are in your postpartum career, taking your first step, or with decades of experience, if you feel a deep calling to work with new families during this life-changing transformation, Newborn Mothers Collective is for you. Learn more over at newbornmothers.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, I love that. And I love especially that you mentioned that you would have thought I would never live next door to my family, but here you are. Can you talk a little bit about, there's a lot of people listening to this go, well, that's nice for you, but I would never want to live with my family. So what are some and, of the barriers that you have to overcome to make that happen?
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, everyone's pretty respectful of each other's space. Um, we uh, kind of come and go, like if I need a cup of something, I'll just walk into somebody else's house and grab it. It's sort of an unwritten rule that you can come and borrow anything as long as it gets returned. Or, um, And I think our concern was that we would be living in each other's pockets but if I'm brutally honest we're all incredibly busy with our own lives anyway and I actually don't really see that much of my family I it's it's funny I will see them as I'm driving in or out or I will see them like this morning my mum and dad dropped in for a cup of coffee and my sister came in because she needed some advice on something else so you know we will definitely and and probably twice a week, I'll send a note round and say, I'm cooking dinner. Does anybody need dinner tonight? You know, we've all got very different living situations and we've all got kids at different ages. And so we're kind of all pretty supportive of each other in knowing what's going on in each other's lives. And I think it's also that proximity to each other that gives you that, I don't know, that detail and that minute of day-to-day life that kind of happens around you but you don't necessarily know about it when you're not living it and Mm -hmm. so we're able to support each other in that way you know I think my husband has found it pretty difficult um he is very close to my brothers-in-law and so they all get on pretty well together and they all have a big joke but uh, you know sometimes I think the boundaries could be a little bit more um stricter he would be happier if if we had a little bit more privacy but having said that we really it's not really that big of a deal if if you know what i mean so i had been really concerned that we would just be living in each other's pockets and actually we just don't because we're all too busy to be doing that
0: yeah and it sounds like a bit of re- weighing up the risks and benefits you know of course that so you lose some of that privacy and you probably have to put up with a few of those you know the typical family dynamics but yeah. at the same time, the benefits are so great that you know perhaps it's worth just just you know foregoing a few of those small comforts, you know, um, in order to have that community and that support that you that you get now.
1: Yeah. No. Look, I absolutely would agree with that comment. There's always a give and take, and I think that's the reality. But we knew that what we wanted um, for ourselves and for our kids was to have um, accessibility to multi-generational living and we get to do that without all living under the one roof um which i think has been really important for us to have our own space and yeah
0: yeah i love it and can you tell me about anything that you've tried that hasn't worked is there anything any things you've done over the years that you're like gosh i wouldn't do that again
1: um Yeah, we had, uh, when we were living in Aruba, we had some really close friends who had a marriage breakdown and we had kind of like a granny flat attached to the house and we had um, one of them living in the granny flat for a period of time and that didn't work particularly well but I think that that didn't work was, the reason that didn't work was because we hadn't put the boundaries in place to start off with. You know, I think it's really important that when you find people to be part of your community, that you have a similar moral compass and similar ethical values. And um, certainly from my perspective, I have found that it's worked when I have found people that are like that. So I'm happy for my kids to be playing with their kids and I'm happy for those people to pull my kids up if they've observed them doing something. Do you know what I mean? I feel very comfortable with that. Um, But I don't think that that works when you're not on the same page parenting-wise as those other people. And I guess I'm I'm a bit of a free-range parent. I let my kids... I feel like if my children want those opportunities to be able to walk to school by themselves or... Whatever it is, I feel that when they ask for those opportunities, it's because they feel like they're ready to do them and with the right boundaries in place that they should be given those opportunities. Now, a lot of parents would not necessarily agree with that, Um, but I think finding those people that are on the same page as me has also been a really kind of lucky thing for me over time.
0: Well, lucky or maybe conscious because I was going to say there's kind of two things there. It sounds like you might have consciously seeked out people who have similar values or is that just luck? Do yeah, I
1: think, just... I think consciously I have sought them out but then, you know, like I think about the people that live in the sort of three or four houses surrounding here and I, yeah, I became friends with them but they actually already lived there. So I don't, I actually do think that there is an element of luck in it. I really do. Like I've, sort, I've sought them out to be friends and we've become incredibly close friends. But it was luck that they were living next door to us.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah so some people might live in communities where they don't really have a lot in common with the people who are their neighbours and then that obviously makes it more difficult. But once you've found those like-minded people, do you feel like you have to have quite open discussions about boundaries or do you feel like that just happens naturally because they're like-minded anyway?
1: Um, no, I don't like I don't feel like I've consciously had those conversations about boundaries. I think we've—it's kind of happened in an evolutionary process as we've become better friends, and we've certainly put boundaries in place for the kids. In that, if an adult asks you to leave, or an adult asks you not to do something, then that's what has to happen. Or if an adult says, you know, the kids will just rock up and say, "Oh, who wants to have a game of tennis?" and they'll all—and one of the adults will say, "Actually, no, that doesn't suit us today to have everybody over here," and so the kids all just disappear and dissipate back to their own house. So I think in that respect, there have been boundaries. But I think between the adults, I mean, I think every now and again, we'll kind of converse and say, does that suit you? Is that working? You know, is this working for you? I think certainly in the beginning, when the kids started to spend a lot of time together, I think there's that kind of element as a parent where you think, oh, my God, my children have been gone for like six hours and they're not in my care, but is that a problem for the other family? So we certainly had those conversations around is this working for you, does this suit you? And actually, to be fair, they felt the same way. So there are days when the kids will all be over here and days when the kids will all be over there. And it's just... It, I think it's just found its own happy balance, to be honest. Yeah, so it
0: doesn't sound like you need to particularly have boundaries other than around the, the children, but more that you need to have these open conversations so that if someone yeah. has had enough, then they can just say, hey, Clelia, come pick up your kids, you know, we've, we're have we done.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think it's also about not taking advantage of the situation. You know, I I, I think in situations for me where it has failed have been where I have felt like it's totally a one-way street and I've got somebody's child at my house constantly and there have been times where I felt that that child has needed a safe space to come to and so I've been very happy to open my house in that respect but there is also a very fine line where you are also trying to do something as a family and there's a child constantly there and with you. So yeah I think I think having that capacity to say I'm really sorry but this actually doesn't work for us and I think that comes I think that comes as you get to know people better or as you become more comfortable with what your own boundaries are and often you're making it up as you go along.
0: Yes and it changes so frequently doesn't it as the children yeah. get
1: older then there's
0: different things that you need to be discussed and yeah definitely yeah. Oh, I love it. Do you have any other last sort of tips that you'd like to share with people who Mm. are kind of feeling like they've
1: lost their village and how they can reconnect with this themselves? I I, I think my thing every time we moved location and I would have this, awful sinking feeling when i was leaving people that i would developed relationships with and everything else and i'd be moving to a new place and it's always a challenge because you're always thinking how am i going to find my people and i think it's that capacity to work out really quickly whether or not you have a connection with someone and sometimes that means being quite vulnerable yourself and quite open and i think we're not prone to doing that and I actually suspect that it's something that people who have lived as an expat do quite well. Like we all talk about the fact that you can walk into a room and have made um a whole lot of new friends within 30 minutes because everybody's very good at putting their own heart and soul on the table. And I think you've got to open yourself up to that. But I think you've also got to be really realistic when it doesn't work. And I think you've got to be happy to walk away and keep trying. And it it doesn't always happen straight away. Certainly it doesn't. It takes time. But I think that's the beauty also of social media these days is that you can find community and you put it out there and people, people really, I think people genuinely are looking for it themselves as well. It's just that people are not necessarily sure how or where to find it um so yeah that's what i would say is put yourself out there and don't be afraid to fail because you're not necessarily going to find people straight up
0: yes i love it i absolutely love it thank you so much that's been a really helpful conversation and i'm sure a lot of people will listen to it and think like okay i'm going to go out i'm going to make some new friends or i'm going to you know get connected with my family again and and, um yeah it's so important that we have these villages Um, Do you have anything else to add or do you feel like that kind of covers it? No,
1: I don't think so. I just think that we're all designed to do it as part of a bigger community. I just, I think there's an immense amount of pressure put on mothers and fathers to have this perfect life, you know, to work their tails off, to have children who are happy and respectful and to have it all. And I actually don't necessarily think that that's actually a realistic proposition for anybody and it's parenting is hard it's really hard and I think the more people that you can have around you the better you're going to be in terms of yourself and that capacity to have the patience with yourself and learning as a parent but also your children will be better off for it because they will have a point of view that has come not just from you but from an extended group of people that that they love and trust and that is such a valuable thing for them to have in their lives that they've got adults that they can turn to when their parents are not fulfilling that role for them
0: mm-hmm. i love it thank you so much clelia pleasure Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.